Welcome to the Straight Talk on Fleet podcast with Aaron Gilchrist. Each week, Aaron will be breaking down fleet management, trying to cut through the noise and get down to the real issues safety and operations leaders are struggling with every day. The goal will be to get to the bottom of how leaders can break down these silos of information, accelerate change management, how to use real-time accurate data to drive massive efficiencies across fleet-focused business processes, and to elevate people's careers with emerging best practices. Now it's time for the Straight Talk on Fleet. Hello again, Fleet community. We are back for the sixth, yes, the sixth episode of the Straight Talk on Fleet. I am Erin Gilchrist Rugg. I am the VP of Fleet Evangelism and IntelliShift. So on my podcast, trying to be your objective and reliable source of information for this fleet ecosystem based on my real experience of managing an enterprise fleet for over 15 years. Fleet management's hard, as we know, probably harder than it has to be. So we're breaking it down fleet manager style with a focus on everything from driver compliance and behavior to getting more from our internal and external partners and our data. So today on our podcast, I'm excited to talk about maintenance. We'll cover some best practices in the current state. What could be um, some more visionary thinking around how we manage our maintenance and our fleets, how you can tackle implementing a more holistic um, fleet maintenance program in your fleet and using some of the sound project and change management methods that you may already be using or that maybe, you know, you've set up your organization or that I've, I've shared with you um, recently in a podcast. So before we dig in, I think it'd be fun to recap some highlights from the last session on project and change management. So, you know, I kind of laid out not in a perfect world, but certainly if we get the right partners in the room, get the support we need, how we don't have to kind of be all things to all people and we can be successful in moving things forward in our organizations. You know, I think all of us have experienced this a series of roadblocks in our time where we've tried to implement something and just came up against roadblocks one after the other. But I, I'd offer that we probably caused some of those things. We didn't include the right people. We operated in a silo, whatever we did, um, let's own that uh, and and let's figure out a better way. So a quick recap from my last session, which was podcast number five. If, if you want to watch it or even just send me a message, I'd be happy to send you the outline. First off, you know, identifying the problem that needs to be solved or problems. I should venture to guess or probably an S on that. Knowing that you're not alone, right? Just because you wear maybe all of the hats of the financier, the analyst, the project manager, the change agent, you know, the HR person. Okay, we could go on. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you can't change that for yourself. So knowing you're not alone. And then it goes into developing that initial communication. So one that includes, again, testimonies from um, other fleets that you might have gathered from that potential partner you're working with, expected results of you know whatever you're trying to implement certainly roi data leaning on your supplier partner for this is critical i mean if they want your business they should be doing the heavy lifting here because a successful introduction a communication model a pilot and roi will be a win-win for them and, and for you naturally again bringing together those key players so all those hats you're wearing other people are wearing those hats so work with them and they'll work with you bring together the key players from hr IT, legal, ops, risk, 
finance, procurement, et cetera, building that team around you, that circle of trust, if you will, this kind of streamlines the process. It elevates you, your credibility and your vision within your organization. And I'll stop there for a second. Cause recently I was talking to another fleet manager who was talking about in his organization, he has a committee. I mean, it is a committee that everything goes through policy changes, operating practice changes, everything. And it started with a project and now it's just sort of innate. They do everything together and move everything together. So I kind of talk about that a little bit in my last podcast. However, I thought it was interesting that he doesn't make a move now without running things by this internal group who then has gained the trust of the C-suite in his organization. So good stuff. Conduct a pilot. Identify the regions or markets where you think you'll see the best results. That way you can move quicker and show the results that you know you'll see in your greater fleet quicker in an area that probably is experiencing some issues and needs the change more desperately. The next thing is communicating early and often on your pilot results in a consistent fashion, one you've developed ahead of time with your potential partner. So that way your organization comes to know what to expect from you and your team. They're starting to kind of trust you and look to you. And they're thinking if this person's communicating with me in this way, they can expect that after you during implementation and then after you implement. And then for everything you do going forward, preparing for that next level meeting by using the sound methods you've already created, right? So once you're ready to talk about pilot results, you can seal the deal and move on and be that hero in your organization. But again, if you want to learn more about project and change management, I guess from my perspective, watch or listen to podcast number five, wherever you find your, your content. And again, I'm happy to share that outline with you. Okay. So let's dig into fleet maintenance. So many fun things to talk about here and probably a little pain. Um, <laughs> no pain, no gain. I think that every successful maintenance program typically has some solid structure that includes these elements. So organizational buy-in on the importance of PM compliance for one, but certainly buy-in on your maintenance policy. So the next thing naturally, a thorough and supported maintenance policy as part of your overall fleet policies and operating practices. And we'll talk a little bit more about each of these and we'll dig into each of these things here in a minute. A supportive tech stack that makes compliance easier for the organization, for you, for your drivers. And it makes it easier to um, report out on those things. A network of shops who knows your business either nationally or regionally, whether you're a managed fleet, managed maintenance fleet, or you have your own shops. Either way, that relationship has to be tight. A coding, reporting, and billing structure, that's kind of part of your reporting and analytics suite, kind of connects all the dots to make sure that the reporting is accurate, reliable, and then certainly actionable. And then predictive in nature, which I can't wait to talk about. And a partner or partners who understand your fleet, um, use they use the data to drive action, analytics, trending, and recommendations. So that could be, you know, your fleet management company, for example, if you, if you're a managed fleet. Okay. So let's start with organizational buy-in. I can't say it enough. I mean, any program that you're trying to push any new policy, any new tech, I mean, the way these things work and are most successful is when you have top-down support. And I know from experience that not having that is stifling. I, I've been there. I've done that. I have operated in a silo. It didn't work. You know, maybe I got frustrated from time to time that I couldn't 
get the right people to listen or in my corner or being my advocates. But, you know, looking back, it was because I didn't surround myself with this team that I talked about here just a second ago. And that I talked about in the change management podcasts. It's just, it's uber critical. And guess what? I mean, you're not the only one that's the hero. All of those other people, again, can benefit from being on your team and doing things that make the organization safer and more efficient and certainly reduce cost and exposure. So build that team around you for success and moving your vision forward inside the organization. This team should be involved in building policy and operating practices for your fleet as well, so that you've kind of covered all those bases, the people part, the legal part, the compliance part. And we'll talk, we'll dig into policy here in a second, but I feel like having the input from all those partners, then you don't have to think of all those things because you don't have to know all those things. You and your team should build policy that includes not only what um, you expect your drivers and leaders to do, but you know, really how they should do it, what happens if they don't, and then certainly the impact to the business when policies aren't followed very in a very tangible way. So we don't do this and this happens. And then all of these other things are affected time and cost. And, you know, we'll go into that. So when your internal and external partners, when they can demonstrate how critical your fleet maintenance policy adherence is, your organization is more apt to support you in these compliance measures. So report on and visualize with data. So the effects that non-compliance has on safety, vehicle downtime, uh, the vehicle life, and the bottom line impacts to the business. Those have to be reported on an ongoing basis um, based on, really based on compliance. So fleet intelligence data, I think I've talked about this on every podcast. I'll talk about it on every podcast. It, it is just kind of the fiber that that needs to run through your fleet program to make it successful because you cannot tell stories without good data. So you want to gain insights to trends like how driver behavior impacts the vehicle life, vehicle performance, trends around vehicle performance. Um, and I'll talk more about that when I talk about predictive modeling. If you're maintaining too often, too late, right on time, those are all, I'd say right on time is the way to be. Too often, waste. Not on time, well, we know the most of us know the effects on servicing late. Trends on failing parts, trends on vehicle downtime, and when it makes sense to combine maintenance services. So you're going in for that oil change, but we know we have another service coming up in, you know, um, 3,000 miles. Think about how your business operates and try to quantify, again, good, with good data, the benefits of combining services while a vehicle's down for one service, go ahead and get some of those surrounding services in that time frame done to reduce the overall stop time and the productivity and to increase productivity for those assets. Shop performance, trends on your shop's performance. So whether you have your own maintenance shops or your managed maintenance, you've got to be able to report out on how those shops are doing. So think about uh, metrics like cycle time. So from the time that you made the call into the shop to, to when they could get the vehicle in to the time it took to get it fully approved and serviced and back on the road. Those are timestamps in the maintenance event world 
that you can use to create a cycle time metric for the shops and then find out those shops that are doing the best job for you and use them and, and you know, work with them, talk to them about how they're doing. Um, it gives them incentive to do better. Let me stop there for a second. Maybe they will give you special schedule time or they'll come in before hours or after hours, et cetera. So some good things that can come of, you know, shop performance, trending and reporting. So again, the more you know, the more you can show and, um, and be a, an influencer. Okay, let's dig into tech stack a little bit. I think that I visualize a good tech stack as being one that everything plays well together, the data can be consolidated, it can tell great stories, it can increase compliance. So, you know, if your tech stack isn't helping you be proactive and preventative and successful, ditch it. And I know there's a lot of pain around switching up your tech stack, but, and I think, you know, that's probably another whole podcast is sometimes the pain is probably not as, as bad as you think. I think when you think about building an ROI around having the best tech stack, it will outweigh the pain of making the change. So again, another podcast in the near future. So whether you maintain your own fleet again, or have a management program, having telematics in my experience is the best place to start. So if you don't have that, get it. And soon if you need help figuring out the who it's a, it's a big market. Some would call it saturated. My opinion personally is that there's some great players out there. There's nobody's perfect, but I can tell you that telematics is the one thing that is sort of foundational for anything you're going to do. So the robust data from the driver and the vehicle will help you gain that insight into the trends that we just talked about that you should be looking at and managing on and reporting on. The vehicle ECM data assists you in troubleshooting um, codes, preventing breakdowns, reducing downtime, scheduling maintenance for versus showing up at a shop and hoping they have the right parts and the time and the talent to service your vehicle. Data like odometer readings combined with your maintenance history data can prop up a more automated PM scheduling mechanism for your fleet. So that's, that's a fun topic. So let's dig in for a second there. So let's talk about what if you had a more predictive modeling analytics strategy, what, what might that look like? And I, I guess I would offer that that's possible today. And if you're not getting that, then, you know, let's talk about it. Talk about it with your organization and with your, your special team that you're developing. Talk about it with your suppliers and say, hey, you know, Aaron said this was possible. <laughs> so can you just make this happen for me? I'm really push on, push on your network because this proactive place for your maintenance program is, is, is now. So I'll talk about an example of when I didn't have something more uh, predictive and what happened. But first, let's what does it mean to have a predictive model with analytics? I think it means like if your fleet of vehicles offers lots of data about itself, whether you have telematics or not, there's odometer data, there's event data that's already happened. So you have loads of data that can show you specific vehicles that might have brake failure or have transmission failure or something 
that's going to ground your fleet and cause cost you money and time and productivity and all the things certain models and makes have have issues and this analytics that can show those trends over time it means that you can be proactive in saying okay these sedans in my fleet consistently fail on these things at this mileage okay then you can do something about it you can either replace those assets before you lose your tail no pun intended you can go out to the oem and say here's what i'm seeing can you help me in or out of warranty fight that fight i can tell you right now that oems do not want to lose your business so don't don't think that all these these are out of warranty there's nothing i'm going to be able to do push the envelope again we can talk all day about asking our suppliers for things they should already be providing to us so this isn't like you breaking down barriers this is them not you know maybe not being responsive but if you don't ask and you don't push the envelope with your oems about um trends that you're seeing with their vehicles that they produced and sold to you then you're missing the boat so never think that a vehicle out of warranty can't be i mean there's something called post-warranty consideration if you don't know about it ask about it it's when an oem gives consideration financially and in other ways two fleets who can show a trend with their asset failing. So again, sorry about that little soapbox, but predictive modeling will help you do those things, right? Let's get ahead of problems. Let's see what we see. Let's predict the future. So we know when vehicles are going to break down, when they're going to need service, get those things scheduled ahead of time. And then finally, make sure those parts are in stock. So when you can be ahead of the curve, you don't have that driver. Oh, shoot. I hear a noise in my tire. Okay, you're all going to relate to this. I hear a noise in my tire. Let me pull into this tire shop because I don't have an appointment for the next hour and a half. And then they get into the shop and the shop says, oh, your tread depth. And it's now a safety issue. And they call the management maintenance partner and the management maintenance partner. Oh, it's a safety issue. Change the tires. Well, we don't have your tires in stock. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to upsell you. All could have been prevented right? Don't operate that way. It hurts. Hurts bad. Been there. Have done that. So another example is I had a fleet of box trucks. I'll just say that. And at the 30,000 mile mark, we started seeing some failures and it snowballed for a year and a half of me fighting with the OEM, getting replacements for the assets, getting the bodies that I had so beautifully and custom built, customized for my fleet for distributing materials with the help of the people that were gonna drive, beautiful process of building these boxes out and they looked beautiful. And then we had to figure out how to move them onto a chassis they weren't designed to be on. Yeah, we did all that. We could have prevented all of the downtime, all of the cost, all of the pain. I went from like hero on these box trucks. These are going to be awesome to zero like that. Had I been able to be more predictive, we could have maybe used data from other fleets to figure out that maybe we shouldn't have bought this in the first place. That's one. So again, takes a village. You've got to push on your suppliers, especially when you're going to make new buys to say, let's talk about the performance of these assets weighted and with materials and with you know upfitting how are they going to perform so again predictive modeling and analytics is your best friend 
It is possible. It is available today. If you're not getting it, ask your supplier, why are you not doing this for me? And what do we need to think about in order to make it happen? Let's work together. The second component really of the tech stack is the interaction with the driver. So let's say you have telematics or whatever. The driver app is a great way to alert drivers that a PM needs done and then be able to let them know sort of where they're supposed to go and when they're supposed to go there and then when the parts might be available and when they can make an appointment and they can make an appointment from the app. That'd be cool. And that that way that supplier that they're going to go visit or that shop, maybe you're in network shop or maybe uh, your own shop has those parts in stock and they're ready. So the vehicle can, you know, experience the reduced downtime and, and continue to be productive. Taking this a step further, you know, to schedule the maintenance for your driver, again, your app should be able to say, here's where I need you to go. Maybe it's based on proximity of the driver at the time, if it's something more serious or catastrophic that's happening, or if it's preventative maintenance type of things, we should never not have those scheduled at a preferred stop along their route with parts in stock. And I'll, I'll probably say that a thousand times over the course of my podcasting. I think the third component of the tech stack and arguably the most critical is having the fleet intelligence software that combines all the fleet data from the telematics, the AI video dash cams, the fuel, the maintenance, the vehicle itself, routing data, et cetera, to give you the most up-to-date information. I would say, let's call it real time. Can we do th- everything in real time? Everyone I was listening, real time to keep drivers safe on the road, using their time more efficiently um, and controlling your cost. Yay. That's a big deal. That's what you're, I'm sure managed on a big part of all of, I know for me it was, and you know, I'm this cost center, but I'm like, hold on. No, I'm a, I'm a revenue generator. I'm a revenue generator. That's what I am. That's what you are. That's what fleet managers are. So if you just own that, right, because if you do these things and you're cutting costs and you're improving efficiency and drivers are safer, I mean, that's hero work and it's the right thing to do. And you know, it's, it's should be expected. But again, you can't do it alone, but, but really critical in the maintenance world that you don't lose engines and you don't have issues like that. Anything that happens in your fleet, and this is probably probably some controversial statement here, but most everything that happens in your fleet is preventable with your drivers, with your vehicles. And it's all about data. It's all about data, helping you do your thing. Okay. So tech stack next, let's talk about a supported maintenance policy. And I say supported because again, it's that thorough and supported top-down policy for maintenance as a part of your overall fleet policies and operating practices. So I think it starts with, so this policy, for example, the policy should be designed to make compliance easy. It should extend the asset life of your vehicle. I mean, if that's what your game plan is, right? So sometimes you have shorter cycling or longer cycling. And I'll talk about profiling in your fleet in a minute, which I think will help you design your policy that's more customized for each sort of segment of your fleet, whatever you call that. In my world, I called it profiles, but for segments of your fleet. So if you will, you know, tech vans versus sales cars versus um, distribution trucks, things like that. So your policy should be 
customized for those segments of your fleet because they're different. They operate differently. But think about the current environment we're in. You know, we can't get vehicles. We can't get parts. We, there's so, so many things going on in the supply chain. So what are you charged with? You, right now, you have to extend the asset life of your vehicle. The, the best way to do that is good driver behavior behind the wheel so they're not hurting your vehicles. A great maintenance policy with compliance. I mean, Uber like focus, laser focus on, on compliance, especially for PMs. And then I think, you know, just this, this notion of if I need to extend the life of my asset, then I need to have, again, that top-down support. So super critical. Driver compliance, let's dig into that a little bit. So we talked about the driver app. I think, you know, if, if again, if we can have maintenance compliance be part of the driver's scorecard, I think that's a great way to... Um, engage the driver on his or her responsibilities and keeping that asset as it were their own. So, I mean, if, if our drivers could just treat that vehicle like it was theirs, I mean, imagine what your fleet might look like and how it might operate. It'd just be fantastic. But let's make it easy for them, right? Let's give them a scorecard that is encompassing. It encompasses their fueling behavior, which fuels another topic and we're going to really really deep dive into um, fuel program, but it gives them fueling behavior data. It gives them a score on their preventative maintenance or just maintenance overall can be a component of or comprised of the, the PM compliance. And then, you know, the compliance piece is a few things. It's they got it done on time, right place, right price, that thing, but build that in so they can't mess that up, right? That's our job to make their life so easy. So build maintenance into the scorecard with driver behavior and some of the other things you're probably already scoring them on. Well, I guess maybe, maybe you are. Maybe, let's talk about a comprehensive driver scorecard. Let's break for a second. So a comprehensive driver scorecard would be driver behavior, right? How are they operating behind the wheel and what, what's important to you? Seatbelt use, hard braking, rapid acceleration, hard cornering. What, whatever is important to you in the driver behavior arena, I would say all those things are really important. And maybe it's the in-cab behavior, which so distracted behavior. So AI video dash cams, like I was so heading in that direction when I got out of managing a big fleet um, not too long ago. And I think that's an excellent component of a driver scorecard is, hey, are you paying attention? Are you controlling what you can? Um, and being attentive behind the wheel with this expensive asset that we gave you and arguably the most dangerous tool that we give our drivers. And then, so you, you have the behavior, you have the maintenance, you have the fueling behavior, you know, and, and I think that there's some other things you could do in inside of fuel, you know, idling, they go into the right shops, for the right price. So um, that gets to be a little bit more complex. So again, we'll dig into that when we talk about fuel management, but why do this? I mean, it's make it easier for the drivers to be a professional driver, even though their vocation is, you know, vehicle glass repair and replacement. We want them to be so good at that, but we super need them to be professional drivers. So make it easy for them and, and give them a great scorecard, make it easy for them to be compliant, make them want to be compliant and always remind them of what's in it for them. 
right? They get to go home safe every day and they get to be productive, which is how they get paid probably. So, you know, they get to be productive because their vehicle didn't break down. Okay. So finally, the last piece here is, is really thinking about, you know, in, as part of your policy, thinking about compliance reporting. And let's think about your organization's responsibility for, to this. Again, top-down approach, your organization and you and the driver's managers, so your field network operations, we all have a um, joint responsibility in compliance for maintenance. Again, you know the importance of, of a successful maintenance program. We've talked about that already a lot this morning. However, the organization wants you to report on it consistently. It's consistent reporting suite that talks about compliance, that talks about the outcomes when we haven't been compliant. It talks about the, the wins when we have been, right? So celebrate your wins. All right, let's move on to a network of shops that knows your business. So that's either like nationally or regionally, maybe that's through partnerships or it, it doesn't matter. Whoever you're doing business with and is touching your assets, better know you and better know your assets. Um, you want people who take the time, who have the talent, who have the parts to be um, touching your very, very expensive and productive and important tools in your business, which are your vehicles. So partner internally or externally to build the relationships that can ensure these things. So quality and workmanship, keeping appointments, actually taking appointments, really, really important. Maybe they can um, serve you early in the morning or later in the afternoon or along your route, whatever works for your business, make sure that they can schedule it and they can keep the schedule and that they can, I mean, arguably they should prioritize your asset when it comes, when they see your asset coming in, they're like, yep, you know, there's, there's nationwide, there's safe life. There's, you know, uh, Stanley steamer. We have a partnership with them. They're important to us. We're going to get that vehicle in the bay right now and get done what we promised. That time to serve. I talked about that already. That cycle time, you know, are they keeping to a cycle time? I mean, put a service level in place with them. You know, if you have an SLA, you know, work it, use it, own it. Scheduling preference. I talked about that really, you know, they'll bump you ahead because it's you, right? And negotiate that ahead of time, you know, negotiate that into your contracts. It's like, you know, I have a lot of vehicles or I have a lot of vehicles in this region and you're here and I'm here. Let's let's make a deal and, um, you know, lean on your network, whoever that is, your supplier network to do that. Or maybe it's your procurement team internally because you have your own shops and you want to hold your own shops to the same service level expectations. So a service level agreement is, is really important. Think about how to measure that cycle time um, by event type. Again, each event has codes that accompany it. So use that numerical coding, use that coding to develop a way to say, we have these types of events that we're always going to be doing. Let's think about how we want to measure each of those events and put a cycle time expectation around that and then hold the, the vendor accountable. Uh, parts in stock. Oh, parts in stock. I know it's a tough conversation today. I think, you know, in an ideal world, we could talk about this, um, in a different way. I know today it's really hard because um, the whole supply chain is so pressured right now and, and it's just a different environment. But, you know, again, planning ahead and trying to negotiate with that partner to have the your preferred parts in stock at your, that your negotiated price, uh, it, I, 
the value of it is, I mean, it's, it's measurable and it's, it's significant. Let me give an example. Tires. Okay. A national tire program. So in my former fleet, um, we were driving 180 million ish miles a year. And having a national developing a national tire program is so hard. It's, It's not an easy thing to do, but I would encourage you if, if you're able and you can find a partner who wants to say, okay, you, you like my tires. They work well. They work well for the miles driven for your fleet. Let's get a promise on tires and stock at a negotiated price at an, a network shop, a network of shops. Okay. Sounds easy. It's not, but push for it. Um, you can save a lot of money. You can prevent upsells. You can keep your fleets more productive and safe. Tires are really important. And then, you know, on tires, while we're talking about PMs, vehicle inspections, again, I think so it's a whole nother podcast, but making sure that those tires are um, being ch- checked and being inflated and all the things that help your MPG and keep your driver safe and all the things, you know, inspections, very important part of a maintenance program. Let's just go there. Let's just go there <laughs> for a second. <laughs> You know, we talked about policy already, but let's circle back and talk about inspections as part of your policy. Um, Sometimes these things just come to me. And so when they do, we're just going to talk about them. So I think inspections fall under policy and tech stack and compliance and driver scorecard. It's a great time to talk about it. Inspections are fundamental, critical, always have been, always will be. What's great about today's environment is we can make this a very easy digital process for our drivers. They can take pictures. They can do it all on whatever their, whatever MRM, you know, you're giving them their mobile resource management tool. Sorry about the acronym. Make it easy, make it smart, make it reportable, make it so that each step of the way in the inspection process, they kind of can't do one until they've done the last because you, you got to make sure that the things you need to know that they're doing um, and not just sort of like check, 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 check. Right. Um, so add in processes like pictures and tread depth measurement for your tires. So again, inspections make them easy. They improve everything, efficiency, safety, vehicle life. They help you be more predictive. You know, you know, something, is going on, you can fix it before it becomes a real problem. Okay. Um, and especially for your fleets that are regulated in some way, but for all aspects, I shouldn't say that it's really for everything, but it's, it's critical and required for, for certain vehicles in your fleet. Okay. So we talked about parts in stock. We talked about vehicle inspections. Okay. So this partnership back to these shop partnerships, can you, you know, can your partner link to internally link with you or, or integrate with your, with your managed maintenance or your fleet management company for ease in approvals, um, billing, invoicing, because if, if you can get that part accurate and integrated, it improves on your analytics. I mean, tremendously, right? Things are much more accurate. You can count on timely, a timely payment stream, a timely reporting into finance on a monthly basis about, you know, what actually happened that month. It depends on how you're structured um, financially, but whether you're reporting in arrears or whatever, but having that link so that the data 
that is collected during a maintenance event has all the right components to make the approval billing and invoicing piece um, seamless, right? And then a partner who understands your fleet and uses the data, again, to drive action, analytics, trending, and recommendations, okay? And that might be your shop network in combination with your um, management partner, FMC, whatever, and you who can bring fleet intelligence to life, who shares in the responsibility of the success of the maintenance program, who makes recommendations based on all the trends we've been talking about this whole segment, and then knows your segments inside and out. Okay, this is this is the fun part. On segments, I promised we would talk about profiling your fleet, so to speak. I recommend for all fleets that you segment your fleet for benchmarking, reporting, trend analysis, insights, change management. And, and here's what I mean by segment. So in, in my fleet, I profiled my fleet with the help of one of my awesome analysts who worked with me, my hero, said, okay, we're looking at the fleet holistically, but we have all types of vehicles in our fleet. We have sales vehicles and operations leader vehicles that are sort of sedan, you know, small SUV crossover, pickup trucks, things like that. We have that fleet and it's smaller and it's more kind of like consumer use. Then we have distribution vehicles that are box trucks that are updated with bodies of several different sizes. And we even profiled the sizes out, right? And then we had tech vans that were all you know, commercial cargo size vans, um, one ton or three quarter ton mostly. And we segmented the fleet out in seven or eight profiles. And we reported on each of those profiles individually. The reporting suite that we had for the whole fleet was the same reporting suite that we had for each of those profiles of the fleet. So imagine we benchmarked against ourselves. We could benchmark our sales fleet and our operations fleet against a pharmaceutical company who also ran sedans. We could take our box truck fleet and benchmark with, you know, um, Lozer Home Depot. We could take our technician fleet of commercial cargo vans, which was many, many vans, thousands. And we could benchmark against other service fleets using those types of vehicles. And we could understand ways we can improve. And then we could look at each of those individual profiles and say, let's look at trends within each of the profiles and where we could make improvements inside of each of the profiles. I mean, it just went a really long way for operating like we had eight different fleets who each had different vehicle types and operated differently and drove different miles. You can imagine that my distribution fleet that was delivering things all day long every day was driving three times the amount of miles as my technician service fleet. So that makes a big difference, right? Miles means risk, maintenance. I mean, everything increases when you drive more miles. So you got to treat those vehicles differently. So I would encourage you from a maintenance perspective and from overall fleet management and reporting perspective to um, analyze your fleet in a segmented way. That makes sense. Again, happy to talk about that with anyone who's thinking about doing that or wants more detail on that, because I think it, it was a, the biggest game changer of my entire time in being a fleet manager was when we switched to this model. 
So how do we go about implementing these core elements for success in our fleet management plan? So again, we, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about organizational buy-in on the importance of compliance and all things maintenance, a supportive tech stack, a thorough and supportive um, maintenance policy, a network of shops who knows your business, this coding, billing, and reporting structure for accurate, reliable reporting. We talked about partnerships and how those work and don't work. So kind of to wrap a little bit, how do we make all this work? So again, using a project or change management outline, again, podcast five, watch it, take what you need, leave what you don't, but having a consistent project and change management outline, it's repeatable. It's consistent. It's successful. It shows your organization who you are, how you work, and what they can come to expect. They will come to expect, you know, sound methods that are well tested and proven and that show results and come with data visualization that make it easy for them to understand and more so they trust you and your team. Okay, I can't say it enough about fleet intelligence. That's like my favorite term right now. It will always save the day. If data is stewarded in the right way to bubble up the key insights that help you focus on what's important every day in your fleet, uh, maintenance or fleet management programs, you win. And then again, just refer to episode five if you want more on change and project management. But for, for fleet maintenance, it's kind of a wrap for today. I know we dug into a lot of things today. It was super fun. Maintenance is so important for safety and reliability and longevity and productivity and all the things. So I loved talking about fleet maintenance with you today. Uh, that's it for now. Again, we can dig in more to parts and service and predictive analytics on a lot of fronts and on maintenance if you want. Um, let me know. Love to talk more about that with you individually or, you know, hey, if someone wants to come on with me and talk about what they're doing that really works, you know, shoot me a message. I'd love to hear from you. And I'd love to bring you on the podcast and talk about what's working for you and, and, and what's not. Again, always happy to share my outline for today's content. I'll take any questions or suggestions on what I've shared today. And if you found this helpful, share it with your community. Um, like and subscribe wherever you get your favorite content. But until next time, keep it real, keep it safe for fleet's sake. Thanks for listening. Uh -huh.